Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of the Media Boat Podcast, your weekly episodes for us talking about movies, TV, music, and video games. Not necessarily in that order. My name is Mike. His name is Matt. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. I like this like NPR style energy we're bringing to the show this week because there are sleeping children. Um. So yeah, thanks for joining us. This well, is the yeah, because we're, we are doing the inverse because this is yes. number four hundred nine. You don't really want high energy to giddy up, giddy up to four hundred nine. No, but that's why I said on the dock here. There's no. It's four hundred nine. The cleaning spray. We're <laughs> we're doing some end of the year cleanup. Uh, is what this is going to be. Uh, and probably for the rest of the year. This is the vibe we're going to bring into the fall into the winter months here. Is a lot of stuff happened. Let's talk about it. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff. So let's get right into this. I'm going to start with the music section. So the music section with the billboard. We start the billboard with the Hot 100. And your hottest song in the land is, once again, Taylor Swift. But not the 1989 Taylor's version songs no it's once again cruel summer your number one song at two paint the town red by doja cat coming at three is it over now taylor's version by taylor swift at four snooze (laughs) by SZA, and rounding at your top five standing next to you by jungkook yeah so uh just like besides Jungkook, this is a return to normalcy for the Hot 100. Uh, a lot of familiar faces, uh, but is it over now? Sticks around. Uh, yes, but we'll stick around for the next two weeks, though, as we <laughs> get into the holiday season. And Mariah Carey once again shows up uh, with maybe pentatonics, but we'll see. We'll get there eventually. Uh, but let's get over to the albums chart. You'll billboard 200, where. Once again, at number one, 1989, Taylor's version by Taylor Swift, your number one album. Coming in at two, Golden by Jungkook. Uh, at three, For All the Dogs by Drake. Coming in at four, One Thing at a Time by Morgan Wallen. And we're going to get your top five. Nadie Sabe Lo Que Va A Pasar Mañana by Bad Bunny. Yeah, interesting to see Taylor take a second week here. Just goes to show the strength of her, uh, that she can overtake uh, K-pop star Jungkook on his new uh, premiere album. So, yeah, quite a feat to beat the K-pop stands. Yeah. If you did like any of those albums, we have new releases, including Quaranta by Danny Brown, Rockstar, by Dolly Parton. Yes, yes. that Dolly Parton. <laughs> uh, Theater of the Absurd presents C'est la Vie by Madness. Bear Market by Mom Jeans. <laughs> Plain White Tees by Plain White Tees. The, <laughs> not even a, it's not a self-titled album, not a debut album. Yes, it's those Plain yeah. White Tees. Um, we also have High Roquest, colon, Double Helix by Steve Aoki. And lastly, 
Salvage Enterprise by the Polyphonic Spree. Yes, all 500 band members of Polyphonic Spree. <laughs> it's the same joke that Christy makes whenever she sees a band with like a billion people on stage. She always goes, look, they're like trying to be the Polyphonic Spree. <laughs> Just funny every time. Anyway. It's funny. All right. Well, let's get into some music news and oh boy. Do we have some news for you? It's Grammy nomination time yep. with the full list of nominations for the 67th Annual Grammy Awards out now. It is SZA who is leading uh, everybody with nine nominations. Mm-hmm. Other key nominees include uh, former winner Taylor Swift, former winner Olivia Rodrigo, former winner Miley Cyrus, former winner John Batiste, former winner uh, Billie Eilish, and then there's Boy Genius and Victoria Monet, mm-hmm. all of whom will be competing against SZA for Record of the Year. In the Album of the Year category, the eight contenders include the six holdovers from, the, from Record of the Year category, being SZA, Swift. Rodrigo, Cyrus, Batiste, and Boy Genius, plus albums by Lana Del Rey and Janelle Monet. After SZA's leading nine nominations, three music figures are tied with seven nominations apiece, that being uh, Monet, Victoria Monet, Victoria Monet, Phoebe Bridgers, with six of those actually being from Boy Genius and one being from a collaboration with SZA, and then Mixing Engineer, Serban Genna. Then, there's eight musicians that are tied for having six nominations each, including producers Jack Antonoff, John Batiste himself, Boy Genius, Brandy Clark, Miley Cyrus, Billie Eilish, Olivia Rodrigo, and one Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was looking at the nominations for those top three awards and all run by female artists. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, there's John Batiste kind of doubling down from last year. Yeah, it's um, an interesting year, I think, for the Grammys. I think it's a good mix of people. Uh, like you mentioned, big focus on women this year. A lot of people think that this is the year that Miley Cyrus is getting her flowers, no pun intended. Um, as she's nominated a lot here. That is what my doctor thought as well when I read out the nominations. Interesting to see and kind of like a crowning achievement almost like for where she's been at in her career. Um, what she's been able to kind of do in the kind of, let's say the the second half of her, probably her career, which is probably she's entering right now because she will be 30, if not 30, in the like next couple of years. Will this be guess. the phase three of her yeah. career then? <laughs> Disney, yeah, after the Disney. Yeah, Disney, the, Hannah Montana. The Bangers. Hannah <laughs> Montana. The twerking. Stars, twerking Party in the USA. And uh-huh. then now, um, Flowers and Endless Summer Vacation. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, whether that's warranted or not, you know, I'm not, a biggest, not the biggest fan of her, but it seems like a lot of people are happy to see her. I would love to see SZA have a big night. Um, I think that's a great record. And um, the fact that 
it came out actually late 22. And so it's kind of been a whole calendar year since a lot of people have heard it. Uh, but it kind of persisted through the year with singles like Snooze and Kill Bill. And so to see her win some Grammys here would be great. Same thing um, with Taylor Swift and Midnight's, as think, that is the album that's up for album of the year. I think if Midnight's does get crowned here, um, I think that it will be kind of a capper for an amazing year for Taylor with the Eras Tour and both Travis Kelsey. Uh, Taylor and yes, and you know, romantic um situations with her. But also uh, Olivia Rodrigo. It'd be cool to see her kind of get her redemption arc from not winning the big prize with Sour. She um, won Best New Artist. That's true. That is true. I'm not saying she was is without Grammy, but um, I think it'd be cool to see. So honestly, this is a year where there's so many horses that I would love to see win that I don't really have a favorite. I think that I'd be happy if this goes a lot of different ways. I think the biggest d- disappointment that could possibly happen and the most want want note they could end the ceremony on is if John Batiste wins again. <laughs> I mean, that's what happened with uh, Billie Eilish in 2020 and 2019. Yeah. Start with 2020 because they're doubling down from the 2019 mm-hmm. Grammy that they gave her. I mean, we'll see uh, what happens. But overall, I'm excited to see these Grammys because at least it seems like a little interesting as opposed to last year. <laughs> As I said when the album came out, my money is on Janelle Monet. Interesting. Year. Okay. I think that is a vibe of an album. I think it's a great time out. I think it's a good storytelling <laughs> mechanic. And, and I, I will take your money. <laughs> you will take my money? I'll be happy to take your money on that one. Are you on uh, Miley Cyrus then? Uh no, I don't think I don't think Miley will win. I think that this is probably SZA. That's my gut. My gut says SZA will take this, but we'll see. We will see as Grammy nominations are out, which means voting can begin. Yeah. All categories and nominations you can find on the Grammys website. Yeah. Um, and you can start making your predictions now. Yeah. Oh, and uh, last thing I'll say about these is like, yes, I am astonished by all of the boy genius here. Um, I mean, Phoebe Bridgers has been involved in the grammys before she was nominated for best new artist but lost um so it's not like that's a surprise but i think it's interesting to see just the momentum that boy genius as a project has had way more momentum than i imagined it would uh like and to see all the grammy nominations for all of them i'm just i'm just proud of lucy dacus i'm I'm just gonna say that i'm just so proud of lucy isn't um (laughs) boy genius nominated for best new artist they are, yes, even though it doesn't really qualify because all three of them have had careers prior to this. Right. But hey, I don't make the rules for Best New Artist. We all well, knew, okay. know that Jelly Roll was going to win. I was about to say, they're all going up against Jelly Roll, so we'll <laughs> see if they win. I had to explain to Christy Jelly Roll's deal yesterday because she had never heard of him. Anyway. Jelly Roll. All right, we'll stop talking about Jelly Roll. Let's move on to the second story. Yeah, Yeah. let's get into some YouTube then and some AI collaboration. I thought this was was an interesting story. It actually has a positive spin, a more positive spin than I expected. Um, Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, so YouTube, the company by Google, uh, wants to let creators tap into the power of artificial intelligence. But... But... Huge butt here. 
<laughs> it's also putting in place new policies requiring creators to indicate when they've uploaded AI-generated content. And the video giant also will adopt new ways to request that content that, quote, simulates an identifiable individual or mimics an artist's unique singing or rapping voice. Get pulled down. Within the next few months, YouTube said it will introduce updates that inform viewers when they're seeing, uh, when the content they're seeing is synthetic. End quote. Um, as part of that, the video platform will require creators to disclose when they've created, altered, or synthetic content that is realistic, including using AI tools. YouTubers who flout the new rules will face repercussions. Uh, quote, creators who consistently choose not to disclose this information may be subject to content removal, suspension from the YouTube Partner Program, the ad sharing program, or other penalties, uh, said Jennifer Flannery O'Connor and Emily Moxley, VPs of Product Management at YouTube. So this is them both accepting AI, saying there's no way we're going to fight this, so we might as well try and like make it as accommodating for our content creators as possible. But also, we need to make sure our viewers are aware. Here's AI generated content. Yeah, I think this is for is is along the lines of their existing copyright rules about um, how why content creators are so like how are empowered to do DMCA takedowns as quickly as they are. This mm -hmm. just follows in step with that. This pr provides options for like say think like artists, you know, like Taylor Swift to be able to like take down imitations of Taylor Swift so that the way they're not like potentially incriminating things that somebody makes an AI Taylor Swift voice say. It's it's to present that kind of thing. So already this is a huge thing on TikTok. If you've used TikTok for in the last couple of months, you'll see plenty of videos that are just AI voiced versions. A popular version of this is to have the SpongeBob characters sing like current popular songs because you can have an AI voice just generate that now. It's just like, that, that's mm -hmm. where we're at. And it's really convincing. So I'm actually surprised in how like thorough this is and how great this sounds to make sure that that stuff doesn't get pervasive and doesn't take over YouTube's algorithm. Like it could, like it is doing on TikTok. And yeah, giving the, like giving power for creators to find that out and have those flags be clear uh, is good news to me. And it's like, it does dovetail nicely with um with the the sag after deal we were talking which we will talk about later where a lot of their AI, ai protections follow the same kind of rules which is like no this is you're going to be notified and you will have to give consent for this to be okay mm -hmm. and i hope that that's going to be the norm going forward and so we have protections against what could potentially cause a lot of confusion and more or less could be libelous in a lot of ways now, this does seem like it's only generated towards, like you said, AI voices and AI-generated yes. content that way. It's Not necessarily AI content that's written <laughs> that's then verbated back to you, the viewer. That, unfortunately, would be host. harder to... Yeah, that would be harder to flag. Mm -hmm. That'd be harder to notice. Um, it doesn't seem YouTube is cracking down on that uh, because it's already probably too late. But what they can do 
is at least if somebody's voice is being used, they can make sure there's protections in place for that. So step in the good in the right direction, I think. Yep. Um now if we can only get Spotify to follow suit. <laughs> All right. Uh let's see here. Did you listen to anything? Uh no, quiet week over here. Um not much going on there. Uh there was an Apple Music Presents Turnpike Troubadours that I listened to. Um maybe actually rethink that album. <laughs> <laughs> after listening to the live version of it i so. knew you would eventually turn around to it i knew it was like a time and place thing i think yeah i mean that's kind of what i said like when it came out just that if i sit with it more if i listen to it more eventually like i'll come around to it hey they're gonna be at that um innings festival thing they're doing in tempe in february uh I think they're also going to be in San Diego in March. Ah, okay. So, okay. <laughs> yes, already looking it up. Already. The things we got to look up. Let's go ahead and look up video games. And we start with new releases. Indeed. All right. Uh, something for the kids and really for the whole family. Bluey, colon, the video game. Up for everything. You got it. You can play it. Actually, if you got kids, you can play it. <laughs> and you probably will. Uh, dot, 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 eventually. <laughs> um, we also have Naruto cross Boruto, colon, Ultimate Ninja Storm Connections for <laughs> everything. Wide release. Yep. Uh, we also have Persona 5 Tactics for everything. You got it. You can play it. Wide release. Um, The Walking Dead, colon, Destinies, wide release, everything. You got it. You can play it. Um, And Flashback 2, wide release. You got it. You can play it. Uh, We also have Warhammer, Age of Sigmar, colon, Realms of Ruin for the PC, PS5, and Xbox Series X. Jagged Alliance 3, for the PS4, PS5, Xbox One, and Xbox Series X. American Arcadia for the PC. Coral Island for the PC, PS5, and Xbox Series X. Invincible Presents, colon, Atom Eve for the PC. Uh, we also have UFO Robot Grendizer, Grendizer colon, The Feasts of the Wolves <laughs> for the PC, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, and Xbox Series X. And if you like that name, this one has an even crazier name. Yohane the <laughs> Parhelion, colon, Blaze in the Deep Blue. <laughs> but that's everywhere. If you can say it, you can probably buy it. <laughs> <laughs> And lastly, hey, if you liked Super Mario Brothers Wonder, guess what? This game is not for you. <laughs> it's Super Mario RPG for the Switch. Yes, remake of the Super Nintendo Classic. Mm-hmm. Did you mention Persona 5 Tactica or did you skip it? Uh, no, I mentioned it. Okay. <laughs> I, I started jumping around after the Super Mario. Yeah, one. I know. I got confused. <laughs> All right. I did yep. not. 
something for everybody this week. Everybody's kind of getting their games out before game of the year time, even though most of these will not qualify. Uh, they will not qualify for this year. No. Uh, but before we get into game of the year nominations, let's get into some gaming bits, shall we? Starting with 505 Games owner Digital Bros has announced plans <laughs> to cut 30% of its workforce. Yet again, a studio making uh, budget cuts. Yep, included that one as just yet another layoff. We also, uh, in between last week and this week, we also saw layoffs at Ubisoft, uh, where they cut a bunch of people. So, yeah, layoffs continue in the game, in- game industry. The yep. uh, reason why we're doing the bits is because there wasn't actually a Nintendo showcase this week. Which showcased 18 indie games coming to the Switch, including Outer Wilds. Yeah, the Outer Wilds. I include that's in the headline because of how much of a critical darling that was back in 2018. I want to say when that came out. Um, well, a lot of people's game of the year that year. Um, but yeah, uh, need to see. Uh, yeah, that's what, like, like they're considering Obsidian an indie game developer. Oh, no, 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 wrong game. You're thinking of the Outer Worlds, which is the Obsidian, uh, yes, uh, uh, Fallout like. No, Outer Wilds is a different game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are different. This was a big problem back when these games because they came out the same yeah, year, at the same time. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, a lot of people were very confused. But yeah, there are there are different games. Um, some of the other indie games that they mentioned include the um, the remake of Braid, uh, the remastered version of Braid, which is a game that came out on the 360 forever ago. Uh, if you don't remember Braid, look that one up. You might remember it as the game that uh, Soldier, Boy, Soldier Boy once said was a game for people who drink drinks and, and, and people who uh, take drugs. I forget exactly what the quote is, but... What a time to I'll be alive. That game's been on every platform since <laughs> the like the PS3, Xbox 360 area era. Uh no, actually. Uh it was kind of just that's why they're doing a remastered release, because it was kind of stuck back in that era. Mm, I don't true. think so. I don't think it could, they've done a, a remaster of that since. Regardless, it's coming out on everything, including the Switch. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, in other news. Uh, Bandai Namco has formally announced uh, two. I remember the I remember the Soldier Boy quote. It was, it was he said, "Braid was for people who drink to get drunk and, and do drugs to get high." I think that's what they're for. <laughs> look up that look up the video. It's, if you just look up Soldier Boy plays Braid, you'll find it. Not right now, but after the podcast, just trust yes. me on this one. Anyways, continue. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yes, uh, Bandai Namco, that Bandai Namco, formally announces Studio 2 and Studio Backwards 2. Oh, wait, no, that's an S. Uh, Which is its Nintendo collaboration studio. Yeah, this is an interesting story, considering that Namco Bandai has already worked with Nintendo on the Smash Brothers games, as well as a handful of other of their series. This just formalizes that relationship with specific studios that are dedicated to being Nintendo support teams. So it doesn't, doesn't really change anything. And no, this is not, like some people say, a hint towards the next Super Smash Brothers game. 
this is just them trying to figure out like okay these people have a name that work with nintendo in that capacity so so maybe new ip probably not probably um Speaking of not new IPs, we just recently had the release of Modern Warfare 3, 2023 edition. Um, and it's currently on track, I feel like I say this after every Call of Duty game, yeah. to be the lowest rated Call of Duty ever. So it's interesting to see it review so poorly because uh, the last two in this series actually reviewed pretty well. Uh, the Modern Warfare reboot plus the sequel that came out last year. We're pretty well liked. Uh, a lot of people praise that uh, praise the multiplayer and the options there. Three is not having the same reaction. It seemed like it was rushed to market. Uh, developers say that there was only about sixteen month cycle on it, which is short for a game like this. Uh, so for a AAA game to come out kind of half baked like this, it's kind of embarrassing. And it's very interesting that this is the last remnant of the Activision, uh, like of like Activision's like output before the Microsoft acquisition. I think from mm -hmm. here on out, Phil Spencer ain't let, making this let, letting this happen again. No, they're getting people in there right now for Microsoft to make sure that quality products come out from my Activision from here on out. Pin foil theory hat on. Uh-huh. It was purposely let out underbaked in order to undercut sales just to say, no. see Modern Warfare and Call of Duty isn't as big of a title as you think it is, people. No, I'm going to go with no. The reason why the theory is, the reason why that it's so bad, is because it wasn't even supposed to be a standalone game. For years, to, up to 2023, this was supposed to be the year without a Call of Duty game. Activision had said that they were going to take a break. This was even before the acquisition was announced, before Microsoft even tried to buy them. The change in decision-making happened when they realized, oh, well, we have a um, a campaign ready to go. Why don't we just slap a campaign in it? Instead of releasing this as an expansion to call uh, Modern Warfare 2, let's just slap a 3 on it and put it on store shelves. And they did. And the result is a product that does feel like you just slapped the name on it and put it on store shelf. That's the reason why it sucks. I don't think this is sabotage. I think they just were as cynical as possible in trying to get a store, a boxed Call of Duty game on shelves, and this is the result. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you can think that all you want. <laughs> I'm going to go with my theory. Well, either way, it's, it doesn't matter anymore. This will be the last Call of Duty of this kind, because I feel like, yeah, Microsoft's going to get in there they're going to have to rethink what this franchise is. I think that mm -hmm. starting with the next year, Activision looks different. And we're going to see what that looks like next year. Boys, well, just Call of Duty have to actually be a war shooter game? Because anything could be <laughs> a call to duty. Uh, well, unless you want it to be about going to the bathroom now, I don't think so. <laughs> I was talking about like... Knighthood, give me a hack and slash Call of Duty. <laughs> it was called For Armor and uh, For Honor, and Ubisoft put that out four years ago. Yeah, they did. Anyways, anyways, uh, in other gaming bits, we also have a new we have a new OLED version of the Steam Deck that has officially been announced. And yes, and is available now. Um, uh, Just Valve in time for holiday season. 
Exactly. Valve swears up and down that this is not a new generation of the Steam Deck. In Under the hood, it does everything the same. The screen is just better, and the battery life is better. So if you were holding off on a Steam Deck and this seems appealing to you, now is the time to jump. It also means that the older versions are getting price cuts. So if you want to settle for the original LCD version of the Steam Deck, now is the time to hop on it because they're cheaper than they've ever been. Hey, Nintendo did the same thing. Exactly. Same move. Yep. Uh, Let's go over to Sony, though, as they have confirmed delays in six of its 12 planned live service games. Yes. Being shelled to being delayed to probably being cut. Well, Um, games as a service. Yeah, unclear exactly. Uh, But this does follow on the heels of two stories we've already reported about The Last of Us, uh, Naughty Dog's Last of Us uh, service game getting delayed. And also just recently the layoffs at Bungie and that coinciding with delays for Marathon, their upcoming new live service game to follow Destiny. Uh, So yeah, not super surprising here. We already kind of figured this was the case. Sony just made it it clear by releasing a statement saying as much. So if they're just going to have to figure out what that secret sauce is to get their own Fortnite going, which is ultimately what they're trying to do. Something, something, story mode. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see here. Let's go to Warner Brothers. As yes. they say, it's focused <laughs> on transforming its biggest franchises into service games. So, same coin, different side. Meanwhile, while Sony is making cuts and making delays, Warner Brothers is going all in. You might remember they have one of these that hasn't come out yet. Suicide Squad. It was already delayed last year. Still isn't out. Still looking dire about that if that thing actually comes out and is any good. So, But they are still convinced that this is the way forward. And so they are going all in on this. So kind of weird. It's a weird part, like time in the games industry right now. Is, is it worth the investment? Are these going to be successes? Is Warner in the right place? Or are they going to do a year from now or even six months from now the same thing Sony is doing when they realize how hard it is to actually make these kinds of games? It looks like depending on what your perspective is, you could see it from both sides. Not that weird as I could see them doing something akin to Dreamlight Valley, Disney's Mm -hmm. Dreamlight Valley, combined with um, the Wizarding World. Oof. They just need to put that that franchise over in a box somewhere and don't and put a lock on it i think but they know how to open it hogwarts legacy was a sales success but obviously not a critical success it's not getting any nominations for anything Uh, or game of the year game of year wise call that a snub i think call that karma (laughs) i mean otherwise do it with legos they don't own that anymore remember oh yeah their deal fell through. I'm with thinking Lego. movie pillar Lego. That's why Lego currently has a deal with 2K, which brought us the Lego Racers. Uh, not it's not called that, but the Lego Racing game that came out last year, and the um, I believe weeks away uh, Lego Soccer game, uh, which I think is called Lego Goal. I think it's like G O O A A A L or something. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they they're not with Warner anymore. So no Legos. Yeah. 
That's right. I'm, I got confused because the Warner Media Division, Game Division, is from the Warner TV and Film Division. Mortal Kombat. Give me a Mortal Kombat live game. <laughs> don't actually do uh, Anyways. I don't think so. Um, hey, we haven't <laughs> talked about Microsoft, have we? Not yet. Well, let's get to that then. As former Forza boss Alan Hartman has been appointed head of Xbox Game Studios. This follows the exit of Matt Booty, who is currently in this role. He has moved out of it, which puts Hartman in place. This makes sense because Forza has been a huge franchise for them. Might as well put somebody who has knowledge of being and running a studio in the Xbox Game Studios my, like ecosystem. Makes sense. Especially since Forza is one of the bigger, well-selling brands mm-hmm. for Microsoft and Xbox. Yep, yep. And last two bits here. Um, confirmed, after the leaks, it's been confirmed, uh, Grand Theft Auto 6 trailer will premiere next month. Yes. Probably at the Video Game Awards. It's possible that this could be a big reveal at the Game Awards. Uh, nothing is made official. Jeff Keighley has been mom, so it's un- it's unclear whether or not it will. They don't really need the Game Awards because a trailer for Grand Theft Auto 6 will do well in any capacity because people have been waiting for a decade for this game to come out. It's the Grand Theft Auto 5 spanned three different console generations waiting for a sequel to be to, to, to release. And here we finally are going to see it. Um, yeah, it's going to be a huge deal. Probably the biggest video game announcement of the year. And it will happen in the last month. And it'll happen during College Bowl week. It's possible. It could, it could absolutely do that. Um, yeah, no clear no clear idea of when it's going to happen. Just be aware, any time in December, we could get a proper trailer for GTA 6. Okay, it's either going to be at the VGA Awards, which is at the beginning of the month, or mm-hmm. it's going to be during Bull Week. Um, probably um, not Rose Bowl, because that's New Year's Day, but like the Cotton Bowl, which I think <laughs> is also the second one, the other <laughs> one, which is the day before. So I want to see it at the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, it's not the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, so they can do it. <laughs> what is it this year? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. They they changed it. I, yeah. they, I just thought that they lost that right. I was like, oh, come on. Why'd you do that? I mean, I just wanted to go back to the to being the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. Right. Delicious. Anyway. <laughs> you started typing in the dog. Oh, uh, I know. <laughs> Uh, oh, the VRBO Fiesta Bowl. Oh, Verbo. Yeah. <laughs> is now the Fiesta Nintendo. Yes. Anyways. Uh, so yeah, look forward to that. I'm sure it will be fascinating to see what the hell a GTA 6 even looks like. Uh, and just because it's um, not really big news, uh, Super Mario Brothers Wonder is, once again, the fastest-selling Super Mario game ever. Kind of a big deal when you consider that the original Super Mario Brothers is one of the best-selling games of all time, still. And it came out in 1985. So that's actually a big deal. Um, and it's probably not done. So it'll probably sell pretty well by the end of its time. 
All right. Uh, so we've talked about the video game awards coming up here and where Grand Theft Auto 6 teaser trailer will premiere. So here's how <laughs> I think it's going to go. You. The teaser trailer will come out and say, in development. <laughs> They'll have a trailer during the actual college uh, championship game confirming in development with a few more snippets. And then we'll get a Super Bowl trailer saying <laughs> date coming this year. But Maybe. it will be delayed. <laughs> but what else will happen at the VGAs? Uh, we watched after Crown and Game of the Year. Yes. So it's been quite a banger game. Banger game. Banger year, banger for, year games. for games. Yes. As long as you uh, don't work on them, you've had a great year in video games. <laughs> But if yes, you had, your wallet you might have the worst hurt. Year of your, life. your wallet may have hurt. However, uh, franchises have run amok as they have just dominated just games this year. Yeah. Um, with two of the year's biggest sequels, one being the horror survival title Alan Wake 2 from Remedy Entertainment and the role playing game Baldur's Gate 3 from Larian Studios. Nabbing the most nominations with eight each, including Game of the Year. The other four titles that round out those Game of the Year nominations include other franchises as Marvel's Spider-Man 2 from Insomniac Games, Resident Evil 4 from Capcom, Super Mario Bros. Wonder, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, both from Nintendo, round out the game of the year list cry me tears final fantasy fans sorry hey street fighter 6 fans too <laughs> hey hogwarts legacy nope i don't care about them nope nope, nope, nope. <laughs> throw them in the box like i said put a lock on it <laughs> throw it out into sea anyway um star wars jedi survivor fans eh i don't think i had a chance no uh, so Armored Nintendo, Core Six fans, yes, Armored Core Six. <laughs> anyway, so Nintendo is the Game Awards most nominated publisher this year with 15 nominations across its combined portfolio, followed by Sony Interactive, aka PlayStation, with 13, and Xbox, inclusive of Bethesda and Blizzard, mm -hmm. with 10. And then there's Epic Games down there with nine nominations. Yeah, it's it's very telling that we immediately went to the snubs because that's how great of a year it was. There was a lot of games that you would think in any other year would be Game of the Year nominees. Like we didn't even mention Diablo 4. We mm -hmm. didn't even mention Starfield. Like these were games that were huge, huge impact uh, releases this year and that you don't see here because they only had six spots. What are you going to do when you only have six spots? You end up with these six. You give one to Hi-Fi Rush. Come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I think this is a pretty solid list, though. That being said, there are other games I would personally put on here, but it's a pretty good swath of great games. Um, I Who do you think is the this favored, judging by who usually wins these VGAs? What do you think is the, is the one that will take it all? Uh, typically with these kind of games, Legend of Zelda. That was my gut as well. Uh, Tears of the Kingdom had a lot of momentum after it came out. It was It's one of the best-selling games of the year. It's one of the best-reviewed games of the year. 
Breath of the Wild did win in its year. And this is a more polished version of Breath of yep. the Wild. However, I see a lot of people saying that recency bias might rear its head here, and Zelda might be forgotten with some of the hotness and the momentum that games like Baldur's Gate and Alan Wake have. And so I see a lot of people making the argument like, well, no, Baldur's, Baldur's, Gate, Baldur's Gate will take it uh, just on pure like momentum alone. I could see it happening. Um, I think that a Super Mario Brothers Wonder upset would be interesting, but I don't think it has a chance. I think, in my opinion, it's the best game of these six. But who am I? And I know you're probably pulling for Spider-Man. Well, yeah, I, I am. I'm still plugging <laughs> away with that game. Uh, finally got the abilities that would make this game a whole lot easier, which means mm-hmm. I'm about two-thirds through the game. So Of course, that's when they always give you that. Yep. Too late. But yeah, uh, uh, but I mean, this here. this is a fan voted game. So because it is the fans who are voting for this, I could see Super Mario Brothers Wonder winning because yeah. it is a fan game. I mean, the nice thing is about this, similar to the Grammy nominations, which we talked about, is that because so many of these are really great quality, I honestly would be happy with most of these winning. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, that any of these six, I think, would be deserved. So, good year for games overall, and it'll be cool to see what else uh, they have up their sleeves at the WG at the WGAs. Jesus, we've been talking about the Writers Guild for so long. The VGAs this year. <laughs> uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what announcements we see, what other upsets happen. Um, also, it'll be interesting, especially in the wake of the recent Golden Joystick Awards, a similar um, video game award show. They actually had a little bit of a boycott happen because they were not, uh, they were told that um, awards acceptance speeches could not reference political events. It will be really interesting to see what Jeff Keighley says about the VGAs and whether or not people accepting awards will be able to make political statements because, in a very politically charged year, there's going to be developers who are wanting or going to want to say their piece. And I think they should. And I think them being online. We'll allow them to do that. Maybe. We'll see. We'll, we'll see where Jeff is. Uh, I generally think he's got a good head on his shoulders. And he makes good decisions about this stuff, usually. But I think they also need to consider the security of the show because he also had a lot of people coming up on the stage next to him in the last <laughs> couple of shows. And that can't happen anymore. So keep everybody safe. <laughs> yeah, please, Jeff Keighley, I'm begging you. Get security up there because you are going to need to keep people safe this year, just in case. I beg of you. Anyway, um, so yeah, those will be on the 7th of December. So mm-hmm. now coming up pretty quickly here. Uh, let's see here. Uh, lastly, and they have the category for best adaptation. Mm. Those being Castlevania Nocturne, Gran Turismo, the film, Super Mario Brothers movie, the film, <laughs> cool. Twisted Metal, and your probable winner, The Last of Us. Yeah, it'll be The Last of Us in that category. I far. Yeah. Um. Other than that, yeah, not a lot of pretty much predictable uh nominees mm-hmm. there. Yeah, a lot of awards for Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, and Marvel Spider-Man 2, like, across the board. Yep. 
so yeah, we'll see what happens when the VGAs air on December 7th. Mm -hmm. All right, let's move on, shall we? Did you play any video games this week? I have been playing and getting through Spider-Man 2. Yep. I keep like doing one mission, and then on my way to the next mission, I just like keep hopping around and doing all the side content, keeping me busy before I get to the next main mission. Um, yeah. Not playing as much as I want to due to other right, reasons, things. but things. Um, but having a fun time, wanting to get back into it. Um, I think, like I said, I'm kind of in that kind of end game scenario. Definitely feels like it, especially after this last playthrough. Ooh, something we did not mention in the game bits, but both, um, I saw this, both um, Microsoft and PlayStation have officially disabled the share to Twitter X. Yes, Xbox had turned that off a while ago uh, because of the up uh, the increase in API costs. This week, Sony is turning it off on the PlayStation. Yeah, so I went to go share my progress, and I could not. Yes. Uh, which means the share button is now only for friends in your uh, friend your friends or groups on PlayStation. You cannot share that externally. Yeah. So take this with a gigantic grain of salt, but Mr. X himself, Elon Musk, did reply to someone saying that he's, quote, looking into it. But he says that about literally everything, so I have no idea what to believe. Uh, but yeah, uh, until he brings the API costs down, I imagine this will not change. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> but hey, here we are. I guess the only way I can share my game is actually streaming. Yep. It's too bad. Too bad. Anyways, let's move on. I didn't play any video game. I just played more Fashion Dreamer, but we talked about that last week. Yes, we did. <laughs> so, in that case, let's move on to the second half of the show here, where we talk about television. And we always start the television section with the sports corner. Yes, thank you me. for pointing at the sports. We start this week with some Major League Baseball awards. We have our Rookies of the Year, Corbin Carroll for the Arizona Diamondbacks, and Gunnar Henderson for the Baltimore Orioles. Meanwhile, Baltimore's... Wait, update, we have yes. our Manager of the Year Oh, that broke uh, as of five minutes ago, Brandon Hyde. For the Baltimore Orioles okay. and the skipper himself, Mr. Skip Schumacher <laughs> of the Miami Marlins. Okay. For an American League and National League, respectively. I believe that. It makes sense. I think like, those are two really, really good picks. And speaking of the Orioles, we also have Baltimore's GM, Mike Elias, was named the MLB's 2023 Executive of the Year. You know, when you have a 101 win season, you're going to get a lot of awards. Yeah. You might Just not get to the World Series, trophy. but yeah, exactly. They're not getting Just very not far a ring playoffs. for it. Yeah. Well, that's baseball for you. Otherwise, in baseball, it's a holding pattern right now as we wait to see the fate of a lot of the uh, free agents as well as the uh, MVPs, which will be named later this week, I believe. Yes. Yeah, so they're rolling them out as one award uh, per day this entire right. week leading up to the. Um, 
not player of the year, the MVP awards, which I think are going to be on Monday. Yeah. Next Monday. Yeah. So whole week right. leading up to it. So yeah, Otani Watch 2023 continues and will continue for at least another week. Yep. All right. Let's move on outside of baseball and into hockey. The NHL this week. The Golden Knights top all of the teams with 12 wins so far. Sorry. The San Jose Sharks, by the way, have now won two games, meaning that they are not winless no longer. However, 12 wins compared to two wins is a big gulf. Uh, so, yeah, they have a lot of work to do. Yeah, San Jose Sharks also the only team with double-digit losses so far. But, hey, that's what happens when you only have two wins on the season. Continuing your bad news, the Ducks look still pretty good. Sorry. Yes, they do. <laughs> anyway, so that's hockey. Meanwhile, in the world of basketball, the NBA in-season tournament has begun. Um, I just saw that um, a couple of so- uh, social media posts of a lot of these stadiums have redid their whole look for the in-season tournament. I saw the new Lakers look mm-hmm. looked shiny. Um, so yeah, uh, in-season tournament is an interesting concept. We'll see if it's any fun. Yeah, uh, that has officially begun. Uh, every team's only played one game, so hmm. every team's either above 500 or below 500. Yep. yep. There is no 500 team. <laughs> You're either at 1,000 or zero, and you present yep. there. So there you go. Next up... College football, there are just two weeks left in the regular season. And as you just uh, you described earlier, that will take us into the bowl season uh, for the holidays. So yes. get ready to wrap up, put a tidy little Christmas bow on the season as it stands. Yes, the delicious Beefo Brady Bowl is coming up. <laughs> <laughs> delicious. And the cheese it Bowl. Cheez-It yes. Bowl. cheese it Bowl. It's the best kind of bowl next to the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. Not uh, the Tostitos anymore. I know, but it should be. I, I will know. always call it that. Uh, and then moving on to the NFL, uh, Travis Kelsey attended a Taylor Swift show, um, and um, she changed the lyrics to in one of her songs uh, to say the guy on the Chiefs. And uh, yeah, the, the internet went crazy for it. Oh, I'm sorry. You mean actual NFL news? No, sorry, that's the got, NFL news that we follow. Yeah, I got a little <laughs> distracted there. Um <laughs> No, in actual NFL news, uh, there will be no more overseas games. All of those London uh, experimental uh, things are over for the season. We'll see you again, London, next year. But for now, everything's here Uh, in uh, good old North America. Same with Germany, same with Mexico. All those games are done being played over. Sorry. Done with (laughs) the UK, done with Germany. All those games overseas are done being played. I think there's a little more in Mexico, but that's not overseas. That's why I said North America. Um, And then, oh yeah, speaking of the Kelseys, since we were on that subject, uh, the Kelsey Bowl of sorts uh, with the Chiefs against the Eagles will be happening on a Monday night football game. Now, is this the one that happened last night or the one next Monday? It's the one coming up. Coming up. Okay, got it. Which is why Travis Kelsey was able to attend the Taylor Swift concert. Right, right. Because they had a bye week this week. week. Got it. That makes sense. Oddly enough, so did the Eagles. So these are two Super Bowl teams facing each other after they both had a bye week. And will Taylor be there? We'll have to find out. Well, will be she wearing? An, will she be wearing an Eagles shirt? She got it hanging on. No, it, no, she won't because it's hanging on her door. Instead, she'll be wearing a Chiefs jersey. 
anyway, uh, let's anything else in sports before we move on? Um, no, lots of stuff wrapped up. Yeah, kind of just um, waiting for the baseball news to hit, really, at this point. Yeah, uh, just with those NFL, sorry, not NFL, with those college football games wrapping mm-hmm. up these next uh, two weeks, that does mean we'll get championship games on that first weekend in December. And then the following week, I believe, is when we'll have Selection Sunday to Got see it. who plays in the bowl games. Right. So it's wrapping up. Get ready. Get ready for that. Speaking of wrapping up, we start TV news with some good news. And I mean, capital G, capital N, which is our long national nightmare is over. SAG-AFTRA got their deal. After 118 days on strike, SAG-AFTRA has officially reached a tentative agreement, although I believe it's been approved as of today, so it's no longer tentative, on a three-year contract with studios. The development came not long before a deadline of Wednesday at 5 p.m., that the AMPTP had set for the union to give their answer on whether they had a fair deal. Quote, nobody gets everything they want in any deal, but this is a good deal, a fair deal, and both a big step in the right direction and an insurance policy for the next contract. That's according to a guild source talking about that agreement. Some details of the agreement include increases in minimums by 7%, 4% effective July 1st, 2024, and then 3.5% effective by July 1st, 2025. It also establishes AI definitions and requires performers consent with 48-hour advance notice for AI versions of their likeness. Streaming bonuses over the first 90 days by 20% or more of the subscriber's database. If it's been viewed by 20% mm-hmm. or more of the sub- subscriber's database. Got it. Increased residual payments and pension contributions. And they've added the holidays of Martin Luther King Jr. Day and Juneteenth to their holiday calendar. So, this is good news. There's an official list of the um, 109, I think, page document of the entire contract that they're signing for uh, for both TV and film actors. Um, you can look it up yourself. This is just the highlights of mm-hmm. some of the uh, what they're being agreed to. Yeah. So while the reaction hasn't been quite as glowing as the reaction post the WGA deal, mm-hmm. I think for the most part, it does seem to have, um, they made a lot of gains on it, the gains that they wanted to. And they wouldn't have accepted it, I don't think, if they at least had the protections for the AI that they needed. And it seems like they got it. That compromise of making sure consent is asked is absolutely crucial because if it was up to the studios, they would have just ran rampant with that AI and used it whenever they wanted to without having to get that consent. Um, so yeah, good to also, see. Also, yeah, just even though we just said it in three words, establishing <laughs> AI definitions, yeah, those three words equate to about 20 pages of oh, yeah. what exactly they define as AI and well, because... what exactly they define as like consent to use ai because like you were talking about earlier the ai is a nuanced uh subject it's not just one thing there's use of video likeness there's use of voice likeness there's use of like like yeah there's so many different ways that ai can be used in a film or television show that you have to make sure that you have in those 20 pages a definition of what this means because without it 
they could do whatever they want. And it's so, not yeah. just being used in in uh, film or TV. It's mm. also anything that's being altered. Right. Things are going to be altered as well, not just for main actors, but background actors as well. They have to be notified. That's great because without it, you would have those terrifying uh, AI generated people from that Disney movie. That uh, I don't know if you saw that screenshot. Uh, there was one? some Disney original D- Disney original movie that aired late or, or like a couple of months ago. There's a screenshot, like a screen that somebody took of like a, a, a shot from the bleachers and they AI generated this like a, a row of teenage, like teenagers. Instead of using actors, they just AI generated them. They look terrible. <laughs> so yeah, this is preventing that, which is nice. Yep. Anyways. And, yep. and then the other big increases, the increase in minimums and then the increase in establishing streaming bonuses. Uh, for some of that streaming residual money. Yep. So yeah, it does all of that. And most importantly, it gets the business running again. So a lot of um, things that were uh, halted have production has ramped back up over the last week. So yeah, uh, stuff is happening. Things are getting made, which segues into our second story here. Which is that the Legend of Zelda movie can finally be casted now. (laughs) <laughs> well we'll wait and see but in the meantime it means that award shows can actually be scheduled as a lot of them had put on indefinite hiatus because of the strike not being resolved but now with the strike resolved missed award shows are being rescheduled as hosts and guests are now available for them here's a look at the upcoming award season this november 19th the billboard music awards will take place yep that's this upcoming sunday that wasn't going to be uh, affected much by the strike, but now that it hasn't, now that the they strike is over, they have an actual host for it, though. Yes, and probably more celebrity guests. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the twenty seventh, we will have the Gotham Awards. On the seventh, as we talked about in December, the Game Awards will take place, similar to the Billboard Music Awards. It's not like they couldn't have happened, but now that you can get your Keanu Reeveses if you want them. <laughs> right also like the voice actors can show up because i think their agreement um, is tentative yes yes and no um because they the the voice actors were never part of the strike they're separate and that's why they're trying to figure out whether they are going to go on strike because it's treated as a separate business within sag so no uh they would have been able to attend regardless until a strike actually happens for voice acting, which if it does, then that wouldn't be the case. Okay. Um, Except we talked about it like two weeks ago that they were talking about an agreement. Right, right, right. That was just a vote on whether or not a strike could be executed. It's one of those. So no deal has been, the deal Mm -hmm. hasn't expired yet. So no deal has been offered at all yet. Um, Then we have the daytime Emmys on December 15th. The Golden Globe Awards, even though no one will watch them on <laughs> on January 7th. The Governor's Awards will be on January 9th. The AFI Awards will be on January 12th. The Primetime Emmys will be on January 15th now. We had gotten the nominees for those, but we have not... Wait, did we get the nominees for those? Now? We got yeah. the nominees for those. Right. And they were just right holding before patterns. the writers... Right. Uh, right after the writer's strike happened, so they... Right. Didn't say the writer winners, 
or not oh, right. nominees. nominees. So yeah, so we know most of those nominations. We just haven't seen the ceremony yet. Right, and I believe those awards are like the casting of those ballots ends on Sunday. Got it. Then we have the Grammy Awards, which we just got the nominations for uh, mm -hmm. on the 4th of February. The BAFTA Awards will be on the 18th of February in England. Would not have been affected by the strike, but still. Uh, <laughs> I guess if they were in American films, they would have had to work around mm -hmm. that. Uh, the SAG Awards will be on the 24th of February. The PGA Awards will be on the 25th. The, the Oscars are slated for the 10th of March, the day before my birthday. And the uh, WGA Awards will be the April 14th. And lastly, the Tonys are currently slated for their back to their normal time of June 16th uh, after being kind of toyed around with the, this past year. Yep. This has been the Tonys get back to where they're at. It does mean that the WGA Awards for writing will happen after the Oscars. <laughs> Yes, that is kind of weird. So we won't be able to use them as a predictor. Oh, this year. darn it. Sorry. Ha -ha. You, you Wait, just sorry, lost the tool. Ha -ha. It's okay. I'll save it. It's okay. I'll save you. Uh, best uh, uh, adapted screenplay is Barbie. <laughs> putting my money down right now. I believe that would be adapted. Right? Uh, I'm going to go with Napoleon. <laughs> no. I'm going to go with no. All right. Enough of that. Uh, so those are your awards calendar. Those what to look forward to. Awards, awards, awards for like every month until June. Get ready. Yep. Uh, the SAG after deal is once it gets ratified, will be in effect until June thirtieth, twenty twenty six. Three year deal. Yeah, that's why the increases stop at July twenty twenty five. Because so... day before June thirtieth, would we need a new deal? for the next increase. So get ready to do this all over again in three years. Yeah, we will have another 100 episodes under our belt. <laughs> like <laughs> all right, let's move 150, on. Wait, I did the bathroom. 150 episodes. Damn, that's a lot of episodes. But before that happens, though, uh, we need to finish this one. So let's keep rolling. You have to tell me all about Loki Season 2. You wrapped it up. I wrapped it up. Marvel wrapped it up. And essentially, Tom Hilston wrapped it up after 14 years of playing the same goddamn <laughs> mischievous, <laughs> conniving, ulterior motive character. Yeah, but everybody loves him. Well, yeah, everyone loves the actor. <laughs> Nobody loves the character. <laughs> Except in this season where he does find love and friendship outside of his brother and family. Uh, because he decides that he has something worth fighting for, which is the exact same lesson that he learned in Thor Ragnarok. But because of the Loki that didn't get to Thor Ragnarok, this Loki that was cut out of in Avengers, like post taking over the world, <laughs> so he's still mischievous, and then going through the whole season one of Loki and now season two of Loki. He's gone on some wild journeys, and this journeys one is more. probably the wildest, as it the one of the only shows and kind of 
one of two movies, I think three now because of the Marvels, that deals with the multiverse of the multiverse saga. Mm-hmm. Um, and officially, essentially wraps it up. Or does it? Because as the show has been naming its characters and going through themes, that this is a Mobius strip and Ouroboros, there is no beginning, there is no end. It is just one infinite loop. So mm-hmm. is this really the end or is this just the stopping point for a continuous loop until we wrap back around to say, hey, remember Tom Hilston? Well, he's <laughs> back. I mean, remember Loki? It's the well, MCU. He's back. Yeah, it's the MCU. Anything can be brought back for any reason. They don't need to explain themselves. They it's will comic go on books. forever. It's comic book uh, fluff of, well, we're just going to make sure that, that they exist, but outside of the actual timeline. So if we ever want to bring them back, yeah. we can do it. We have the means to. We have the power to do it. They can and will. <laughs> they can and will. But because he's become so powerful, they need to... It's the Superman problem of, you can go and fix everything because you have time travel ability, but we also need to make sure that you are powerful enough to not move and have this kind of like Atlas statue of, you must hold up the world. Sure, you can probably rule the world, but if you drop it, then everything else falls. So you need to be like the fulcrum and the crux of this multiverse. And that's where we end with Loki season two. Um, spoilers, not spoilers. It was only six episodes. Kind of disappointed that it was only six yeah. episodes. Sure. Uh, but overall, it dealt heavily with those things, especially when you bring in a character called Ouroboros, which is the snake eating its own tail, and you have essentially its own paradox of who created the manual. Was it the person who read the manual, like verbatim, or the person who was delivered the manual by the guy who wrote it verbatim? (laughs) And, you know, it's a round and round they go. Lots of paradox and time-shifting, wobbly, kind of timey-wimey stuff that for the most part, they get people to on board with and kind of keep an even keel of what is and what isn't allowed by playing by the rules. At mm-hmm. no point do they actually like start breaking them until you get to the very end where it does feel like it's rushed by saying, okay, how long will it take me to learn quantum mechanics? And he's like, thousands of years. And then you cut to, all right, Let's just say I've already done that because essentially because you have time travel. Yes, you can do that. You can't pause time and do that kind of like an off screen shoot, which is both. Hey, that's great. You can do that. But also the cheap cutaway gag of, well, I don't really want to show this and we need a way to speed this up because we need to get to the finale. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> um, so there won't be any There's more no of this, plans. right? There is no plan for season it. three. Right. Um, there's no plans to bring back. Typically, there's no plans to bring back for even a season two. Right. As when they did the initial announcements, it was on the eve of the original Loki finale. So they withheld the announcement that a Loki season two was happening until the finale came out. And then it said, hey, we're not done here. Loki will be back in season two. So, but uh, the creator of the show, the showrunner, 
has said that they wanted to tell the story over two seasons. Now that he's done that, he wants to move on and do other stuff. If they do have a third season, it would be with a new um, showrunner and a new crew. Hmm. Unlikely, based on where they left him. Like I said, kind of like an <laughs> atlas holding things together. But, but anything can happen. Hey, we'll see him again probably in the movie. Yeah. Probably. Probably in a post credit scene. <laughs> it all comes back. So uh, how does this rank to the, as compared to the first season or the general vibe of the Disney Plus I stuff? Mean, I, I like it better than the first season because I like, like time travel. I like that kind of like paradoxical shifting of of time travel um, language. I think it's Loki continues to be one of the better Disney Plus properties that they have in terms of Marvel properties. Not really a high bar considering the other properties, but then again, it is setting the bar high because it is an established character that we've seen in the Thor films, in the Avengers films. And the only one, well, not, not really the only one, but the oldest one of the characters who have gotten a Disney Plus show to um, basically stick and stick the landing of what it is they were trying to do. And overall, establish and grow this saga of the multiverse saga in this kind of trilogy phase that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Or maybe a quadrilogy. Who knows? It might change out, change out to four. <laughs> Just add a new one. Fair enough. So that's Loki season two on Disney Plus right now. If you are so inclined to check it out, no uh, preview or anything towards uh, uh, anything about the Marvels already in theaters. No, no there was no not. <laughs> Surprised? Yeah, not really. That's the price. All right. Well, I didn't watch a whole lot of TV this week. Just um, we're kind of continue to cruise on the stuff that's already been going, like Gr- British Bake Off and stuff. So uh, just cruising mm-hmm. through. Um, so we will cruise on along with this podcast and jump into our next section here, which is cancellation and renewals. What am I no longer watching? You are no longer watching Chapel Wait on MGM Plus because nobody was. Uh, but now especially because they've canceled it after just one season. Technically, that was a Stephen King adaptation. Yeah, a lot of things are technically Stephen King adaptations. <laughs> um Next up, ABC has canceled The Rookie, colon, Feds, after just one season. I guess the spinoff didn't work. Freeform has canceled something called Praise PD after just one season. And then your final eighth season of The Circus on Showtime has been confirmed. So just eight seasons of that. Uh, It's already been filmed. The upcoming eighth season will be its last. Got it. Meanwhile, Netflix has renewed The Circle for two additional seasons. I'll be happy to tell uh, Christy about that, bringing that to a total of seven by the time they're done. That, I believe, is usually a January show, so that will, yep. we're only a couple months away from more Circle Mets. That means uh, they're uh, casting it right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, and that is probably the, the name of the disease that you get when you're in that hotel for too long, Circle Mets. Then <laughs> um, the next one uh, that Netflix has their eye on is Queer Eye, which is getting a ninth season. And FX is bringing back Welcome to Wrexham for a third season because they got to know what those celebrities will do with that soccer team. 
Well, especially since they're not in the Premier League yet. (laughs) They're still in the lower league. We got to keep going. People are in love with that thing. I I don't know. It seems like an interesting concept. I've always debated about watching that thing, but I don't know if I care that much. Anyway, let's move on from cancellations and renewals. No deaths this week. So thankfully, we save your tears for another day. Hashtag the weekend. But we move on to the movie section where there's tears of a different kind. The tears of the weekend box office numbers. Because Marvel and Cry, the Marvels came in to a disappointing $46 million debut below the 50 estimate. That was a modest estimate already. So yes, it's looking dire for the box office in the MCU. What are your thoughts about this? Uh, I mean, I think this just goes to show lack of promotion. Uh, actors cannot go out. They cannot promote it. Um, yeah. As much as they could do, promotion was just show trailers. Uh, yeah. This could also just compound with both Marvel fatigue and the fact that you needed to watch both Miss Marvel and uh, WandaVision to understand two of these characters going into the film. Yeah. Wait, I mean, no, sorry. Three of these characters. Because you also needed to watch uh, Secret Invasion mm-hmm. for Nick Fury. And then you also need to watch Miss Marvel, or sorry, <laughs> Captain Marvel from 2019 to understand her backstory. So this is just a lot of different threads that they're trying to finally pull together into one. Mm-hmm. But then again, if you're not watching all those threads, you're not as invested. And that, plus going to a theater, plus just nothing like bolstering theaters at this point outside of Taylor Swift. <laughs> which we'll get to. Which we'll get to. But yeah, I mean, I it mean... made $111 million <laughs> worldwide. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it looks rough, and Disney has already been out there saying, oh, we're going to have to really take a look. I don't know if you saw that Bob Iger quote from this week, where he was basically saying, like, oh, we need to re, like, we got too broad, we got unfocused, and we need to figure out what we should focus on in the coming year. Uh, Maybe they can figure it out, I don't know. I mean, they've already taken steps to do that, uh, with Kevin Feige assuming the role of creative... um, the creative script officer mm-hmm. essentially uh he he's going back to being the main producer for these to help guide what is this multiverse saga into a throughput line especially yeah. after seeing this after seeing like all the disappointment in reviews not just from this film but with all the disney plus shows that they've done yeah um trying to figure out how they're going to fit movies like The Eternals and Shang-Chi and Black Panther Wakanda Forever all Mm -hmm. into this uh, next phase. Yeah. It's it's, do they put out too many threads out there that you can't just follow them? I mean, the answer is yes. Yes. It was too much too quickly and uh, yeah, they need to slow it down. They need to focus on what audiences want to see. Uh, and the sad part is, is on paper, this seemed like a good movie. Like, I was actually looking forward to this one. I loved Miss Marvel on Disney Plus, and I really liked Captain Marvel back when that was like when that was a new novel idea to have a woman in the front of an MCU movie. Yeah, 
like I think combining those worlds, it's like tells an interesting story. I think there's set up in a really interesting way. It's disappointing that critically some people are a little um, less hot on the premise once it's actually an execution. A little disappointing. That said, I still might see this because I feel like those characters are interesting characters and I want to see what happens to them. And that's not how I feel like virtually about any of the rest of the MCU. So I just hope they figure it out and I hope they don't sacrifice some of these characters to do it. Like if the lesson, I hope they're learning the right lesson here. I don't hope, I hope they don't think, oh, well, the female led movie bombed. I think they just realize, oh, wait, no. The MCU movies in 2023 bombed and we got to figure out why all of them are doing this. Why it's not just well, the only one the one that bombed essentially was um, Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania yeah. in right. February. You can't really say that about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, but then again, that was the end of the trilogy. Right. They went in all the promotions saying this was the end. This is your chance to say goodbye to these characters as they are now. So there was more going into that film, which is why it made. $300 million plus mm-hmm. compared to the Marvels, which was just considered another check mark onto it. Um, yeah. And something that people just might just wait for it to appear on Disney Plus to watch. I'm just, yeah, I'm just crossing my fingers that they don't sacrifice the diversity that they've worked hard to get to uh, mm-hmm. because the numbers say something, tell a certain story that doesn't align with their plan. I really hope that doesn't happen. I see it happening, and it's scary with this. But anyway, we need to move on to the rest of the top five, uh, because believe it or not, we're box office. Uh, number two, Five Nights at Freddy's, uh, another $8.9 million. That's at 127 domestic. As you mentioned, Taylor Swift still going, even though she is out of theaters <laughs> this week, I believe. The Eras Tour made another $6 million. That's at 172 and will likely cool around that number. Number four, Priscilla, which I will talk about in a moment, $4.7 million in its uh, second proper week, $12 million uh, domestic for that one, although it's fairly limited. It's not huge wide. Um, and five, Killers of the Flower Moon in a similar kind of release. $4.5 million this week with $59 million total. So, yeah. Those are your I'm box waiting for that to show up on Apple TV Plus so I can Same. watch it with bathroom breaks. <laughs> exactly. So I can watch it over the course of like three nights or something. Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about new releases. The holiday season is upon us. It is November, which means movies are back and family movies, more importantly, are back. We start this week, the 17th, with Trolls Band Together, the third Trolls movie. This is the one with NSYNC in it. Thanksgiving, which I'm confused about what the hell this is. It's a horror film. Of course it is. For Thanksgiving. Yes. But why? Because it takes place in Plymouth, uh, Massachusetts, I think. Uh, Ah, okay. Got it. And the guy's dressed up like a pilgrim. With the butcher's knife. Of course. You know, oh, sorry, a carving knife. knife. Yeah. Because he's not carving a turkey. He's carving um you. horny teenage girls. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Anyway, so that's there if you want to see that. And then lastly, a uh, couple other uh family-esque movies. The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, which of course is a prequel to the Hunger Games series. 
but does win the title as the longest thing to come out this year. Jesus, that's a long title. And then Soccer Comedy Next Goal Wins, which I saw a trailer for this week. That's the Taika Waititi soccer film about the Samoan soccer team that made it to the FIFA World Cup games. And promptly got their asses whipped. Yeah, but what are you gonna do? Hey, you make it a comedy. Yeah, exactly. That's what you do. Uh, so those are your new releases. Something for everybody this week. And we move into something that may not be seen by anybody in a theater, unfortunately, for the workers, uh the, the animators who worked very hard on it. And that is Coyote versus Acne. They I like your <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> We're tired on that one. Um, this was Warner Brothers' live-action CG hybrid film that completed principal photography last year in New Mexico. It is unfortunately getting the Scoob slash Batgirl treatment, where Warner has decided to treat it as a tax write-off. Now, asterisk, there's an update to this story. We'll get to that in a moment, but that's at least where the story begins. Quote, With the relaunch of Warner Brothers Pictures Animation in June, the studio has shifted its global strategy to focus on theatrical releases, a WB Motion Picture Group spokesperson said in a statement. Quote, with this new direction, we have made the difficult decision not to move forward with Coyote versus Acne. We have tremendous respect for the filmmakers, cast, and crew, and are grateful for their contributions to the film. End quote. The $72 million budget film starred John Cena, and was co-produced by (laughs) James Gunn with a July 21st, 2023 release date that ultimately went to Barbie when Coyote vs. Acme was removed from the release calendar. While there was interest from outside buyers, Warner Brothers made clear that the movie was not for sale and instead plans to use it as an estimated $30 million tax write-off. As I assume, the story is out of date. As of yesterday, Warner executives turned to internet pressure because after this was announced, everybody turned on it. Like, social media was aflamed. Animation workers who worked on it. Are you talking about the Prime Video? Is going to Prime Video? No official announcement has been made as of this recording. But basically, Warner decided, okay, fine, we'll shop it around. And so they are looking actively for a distributor. Uh, it just will not get a theatrical run. In all yeah, that's why I didn't include it. Um, there, I did see that Prime Video was a hot um, buyer for it. Yeah, nothing official. Though. No, nothing official yet. But that means it will no longer be a tax write-off if they're still in pl- in in uh, like if they now have changed their mind about distributing it. So yeah, it's uh, just a matter of time. Hopefully. These people who worked so hard on this movie will see like it actually come out and have audiences enjoy it, unlike Batgirl, which did not get that treatment. So right. Um what I last saw the was that they they were gonna do a single premiere on the Warner lot, just like they did with Batgirl yeah. for uh the actors and the crew. Um but yeah, they have not officially said that this was going to be sold and moved somewhere else. Because originally this was going to be a straight-to-max film. Mm-hmm. Then it got switched to being a theatrical release. And then it got switched to being just completely shelved now. Tax write-off. Yeah, exactly. I just wanted to share my favorite tweet I saw in reaction to this news. 
Let me scroll to see if I can find it. Um, <laughs> um, where is that? Uh, anyway, oh, here it is. <laughs> uh, this was from uh, uh, Fanbyte, or Fanbyte, no, not Fanbyte, uh, fandom writer and occasional giant bomb guest, Bailey Myers. She tweeted this week, why does John Cena, the largest actor, not simply eat David Zaslav? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, just want to give Bailey credit for that one. Anyway, uh, so yeah, it's it was a fun story to watch, kind of the roller coaster ride up and down of. But yes, the studio, as you just as you just written down here, the update is the studio is changing course this week and screening the film for potential buyers, i.e., Amazon Prime, which is a leading contender, Apple, and Netflix. So yes. No theatrical release likely here, but the fact that we could see this film is still a win and a silver lining to the story that could have been a brutal story for the people who put so much heart and soul into this film, which, by the way, from people who said that they were aware of test audience screenings, a huge like hit among mm -hmm. test audiences. Goes to show you, it's just like Warner was is more is willing more willing than ever, and probably more willing than any of the major studios right now to throw things away that work just for the money. It's sad. Well, for a $72 million film, that does mean it would have to make $150 million plus yeah. to start getting money back to the studio. Right. But yeah, Warner is leading with their debt and they want to make sure they erase the debt by all means necessary. And Zaslav is doing that. And it's just disappointing to see the art be the thing that's sacrificed for that to happen. Right. Not just the debt, but just pretty much anything from the previous admin before he took over, anything right. that they were working on, anything that they greenlit, basically Still. saying, I don't want their work to stain mm. what I am doing now at the company. It's the same shit that we're seeing with which is why they're shut why they shut down Cartoon Network Studios. Mm -hmm. It's the same stuff, which is just like, well, we don't need two animation studios. Let's just get rid of this one that has this storied legacy and has all this important work that they've done, especially over the last decade. Let's just erase it. Let's just get rid of it. It's just, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing and a tarnish on the Warner Brothers legacy in my mind. So whatever, right? We're not discovery guys with discovery money. So what do we know? Well, that's because they're not discovering new IPs <laughs> by going back to the well of the legacy stuff. But what we Those are discovering, discoveries. Yeah. Well, what we are discovering this week are new film trailers, because as you pointed out to me off pod in real life uh, a couple days ago when I saw you, is that as soon as the strike was over, they can promote again. Let's put out every <laughs> trailer we've been sitting on. And so that's what happened. And that's why we now bring you some trailer bits. This week, we saw trailers for the following. The Velveteen Rabbit. Yes, that Velveteen Rabbit. And yes, it is going to be on Apple TV Plus. Yes, which Christy was very quick uh, to, to point out to me. That's not a happy story. It's very sad. And I'm just like, oh, that's right. <laughs> I'm like, well, I want to watch that then. Um, speaking of very sad, Mean Girls, the musical that they don't want you to know is a musical, um, is still coming out. And we got a that's full okay. trailer. They're hiding that it's a musical. I'm putting a note in the uh, A. <laughs> yes. Ugh. Uh, the new Ghostbusters sequel, Frozen Empire, which is a follow-up from Ghostbusters Afterlife, I believe is yes. the name of that movie. Yep. Forgotten. And this time they're going out of the small farm town and back to New York City. 
when I was at the Sony lot, when I was at that um, uh, Jeopardy taping, uh, mm-hmm. which I guess is the only time I'll mention it here on the podcast, uh, because we already passed TV and we need to wrap up. Um, uh, I saw a poster for this, so they are actively ready to promote it. Yep. Um, Disney put out, Disney Pixar put out a trailer for the upcoming Inside Out 2, in which a new emotion for teenage Riley was revealed, Anxiety. And then following by a poster in which four new emotions were revealed, thus breaking the canon lore of (laughs) Inside Out, the first film in which those five emotions are the same ones that govern the human body through adulthood. Nope. Not the case, apparently. You get new ones. So Um, Must be all those buttons that they're going to hit. Yep. So I'm going to uh, put my head cap on here, Uh being that these new emotions will come out. They all wreak havoc, but is up to the same those same five core emotions since they each have a equal yet opposite combatant to basically resolve their differences and say you are a part of me and they will absolve and become one emotion thus mm. keeping the lore that anger joy sadness uh disgust fear are still in control but they have grown as Riley has grown by conquering these new emotions like anxiety and ennui. Ennui. One of them. Hey, sometimes you have ennui. I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I really liked Inside Out one. I'm a little worried that having a sequel to that film will ruin some of the magic of the original. Uh, it's okay. So if you want to see that ruined, just watch Big Mouth. I'd rather not. Um, so yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm approaching this with trepidation because we'll see if it's any good, but, uh, hey, maybe it will be. Then next we have Candy Cane Lane. What the hell that is, is this? That is the horror film. Of course it is. For Christmas. Why did I even ask? Not to be confused with Violet Night, oh, that's which is also coming out later this year, which is not to be confused with Silent Night, which came out last year. <laughs> Too confusing. Anyway, we also got the first peek at Chris Pratt Car- Garfield in the Garfield movie, where he's doing even less work than he did on Super Mario Brothers. There is no personality there. No, he's taking the his Dramamine and going <laughs> to the, the the studio and be like, "All right, let's get this show over with." <laughs> I'm you sorry, got me in here for yet another animated character. I'm just saying that was more Eeyore actually than uh, than <laughs> than Garfield. No, I'm sorry. It's like no one Not will ever Megatron. be. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, no one will ever be Lorenzo Music. So stop trying to be Lorenzo Music. There was only one Lorenzo Music, and now that there's no Lorenzo Music, I just miss Lorenzo Music. Okay. It's okay. They got Bill Murray for two of them. Yeah, well, that doesn't count. You know, fun fact. I don't know if you know this. You probably do know this. Yeah, you um, gotta prove the comments. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, not that story. That's also a fun story. But no, the other fun yes. story is: Do you know the the story about Lore- why Lorenzo Music was got the job doing the original Garfield voice on the cartoon? Oh, go ahead and say it for the audience. They wanted Bill to, Murray. Bill Murray, yes. So Lorenzo Music was doing a Bill Murray impression, and it stuck. So. Later, when they actually did get Bill Murray, it's funny because it's almost like speaking of an Ouroboros. 
it was almost a full circle moment where like now Bill Murray is basically just doing a Lorenzo music impression of Lorenzo music doing Bill Murray. It's just, sorry. Anyway, one of my favorite. It's like one of those like cartoon characters where they switch bodies and they have to do a a representation of themselves as another person. Yeah. Well, singing is the the, the trifecta of that. If you can do that, that's the hat (laughs) trick. Anyway. (laughs) I'm taking a voice acting class right now, right? Uh, by the way, uh, so I'm learning all of all sorts of fun facts. Anyways, um, we also have Rebel Moon Part One: A Child of Fire, which is a za- a snack Ziders joint, as we call it. Yes, here. yes, delicious snacks going straight to Netflix. <laughs> delicious snacks for home, home snacks. Once again, following the footsteps of his wild imagination, that was Sucker Punch. Ugh, keep me out of it. Uh, we also have Damsel, which actually has an interesting premise. Uh, that's uh, also on Netflix. Um, yeah. That looks interesting, but is shot like a Netflix film, and I don't like it. Yeah, it's too dark. You just need to yeah. get an uh, HDR television, and it lights it up, lightens it up a little bit. Trust me. Yeah. It's yeah. okay. Dolby Vision Maybe. makes it look better, but still not great. All right. Uh, and then lastly, Founder's Day. Yeah, the light, jolly, um, happy film of families that get brutally murdered during Founder's Day of an election year. Oh no, that's not fun. You lied to me. It is. It is if you are wearing a Founder's mask. Uh, this just sounds with, like complete with wig. This just sounds like the purge. Oh no, no. this sounds like Thanksgiving. Okay, now I'm just confused. All these movies start sounding the same. Let's move you know, on. It, you need to have Founder's Day to go along with Valentine's Day, to go along with Halloween, to go along with Thanksgiving, to go along with Patriot's Day, to go along with um, <laughs> Born on the Fourth of July. You know, Man, all the I holiday movies. I can't follow this franchise. Too many ups and downs. <laughs> anyway. Too many emotions. That's it for trailers this week. There were uh, probably others we missed, but eh, it doesn't matter. This is our show. Those and, are the main uh, ones. We're going to wrap up the show by talking about a couple of movies that are new that did come out this week. So, or last week. I didn't watch any movies. No, I watched some You movies. watched two. And yes, I realized that we are just going a little longer than we wanted, so I will do this quickly. Um, first up, I saw Priscilla. This is the Sofia Coppola biopic about Priscilla Presley, wife of Elvis Presley, um, mother of the late Lisa Marie, uh, who passed away earlier this year. And do um, note this is not a follow-up or sequel to Elvis, Baz Luhrmann's no. Elvis, which was yes. last year. In fact, this movie goes to great lengths to remind you that this is not about Elvis. It is a film very much about Priscilla and Priscilla's life. So it is based on her autobiography, and follows her life from her discovery uh, by Elvis. I'm using that lightly here. Obviously, she's not a performer, so she wasn't really discovered in that way. But basically, it starts when she met Elvis at age 14. Yes, think about that for a second. Let that sink in. Um, When he was in his 20s. Yeah, not great. Already going on, starting this uh, relationship on a weird level. And it turns out, that kind of paints the rest of her experience. It's a little awkward, this movie, as it kind of walks you through her life living with Elvis and dealing with his celebrity, dealing with his absent 
like him being absent for great swaths of time and kind of what she does when she's left to her own devices at Graceland. What does she do? Does she have existential existential crises? Why, yes, yes, she does. Um, it's essentially a, a story about a story that's will feel familiar to people who are fans of Sofia Coppola's work. If you've seen Marie Antoinette or her debut film, The Virgin Suicides, you'll know that she is drawn to stories of women who feel trapped uh, by men who are more powerful than them, who have taken them away from normal lives and put them into kind of these gilded cages. And Priscilla is yet another story that follows a lot of those same beats. Um, it's really well shot. There's some really great moments in this thing. Of course, it's Sofia Coppola, so you're going to get a lot of great needle drops, a lot of classic music. No Elvis music, though. They didn't get the rights to those. <laughs> because, again, the Elvis, let's put it this way. The Elvis estate is not happy with the depiction of Elvis here. Baz Luhrmann's Elvis, a pretty glowing portrait of the artist. Here, this Elvis feels intimidating in a very bad way. He's a He's depicted as kind of a violent overpowering guy he's not really in tune with priscilla's needs and it provides a much darker portrait of the man that i think we've gotten in a lot of other other stories that surround him um so yeah if you're going in expecting an elvis movie that's not what this is this is very much a sophia coppola story about a woman feeling oppressed and trying to escape from that oppression in her own way and it ends on kind of a lighter note than you expect. Um, at the same time, though, yeah, you have to deal with a lot of awkwardness here. Um, as a movie, I enjoyed it. Uh, like I said, it's well-directed, and it, it does have a momentum that I think that for her pre some of her previous films, including uh, Marie Antoinette, doesn't really have. I haven't seen Lost in Translation, but it seems like a lot of people are saying this is her best since. Um, so, well, the movie has its own baggage now, uh, which we don't <laughs> have time to get into. Speaking of Bill Murray, um, but yeah, but but um, it seems like a lot of people are saying this is kind of her comeback film. Um, it's getting a lot of early buzz. I would not be surprised if the actress, who I'm forgetting her name, who portrays Priscilla in this movie, gets some Oscar buzz towards the end of the year. It's a very, very good performance, um, and she is the reason to see this movie. Um, so yeah, uh, I really liked it. It's uh, it's a good, solid film. It's not perfect, uh, but it's well-paced, well-directed. I had a good time with it. That's good. Um, Sophia Coppola, known for yes. making very uncomfortable scenes. Oh yeah, there are. You are getting those here. Let me tell you. Okay. Yeah, from the jump, like I said, the twenty-year-old, twenty-something-year-old mega uh, rock star is trying to hang out with a fourteen-year-old. Already from the jump, you are getting those awkward, awkward moments. One hundred percent guarantee. All right. Just going uh, and expecting it. As a white male, did it make you feel very awkward? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. A little bit Going of a, in with of, your uh, girlfriend, did uh, that make you very awkward? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we both know knew going in what we were getting into, so I think that helps. Also, we were in a theater with like only two other people, so goes to show you. All right. Uh, so you said this was based off the book, then? Uh, Correct. Priscilla. An autobiography. autobiography. Uh, and did also, you, have you read the autobiography? No. Okay. No, I have not. Uh, but yeah. Um, note. Priscilla Presley, still alive, and is a producer on this film. So, okay. so yes, uh, authorized by her. Right. Um, Kaylee Spaney. Thank you. That's her name. Yes. Uh, Tyler... Known for On the Basis of Sex. 
yeah, haven't hasn't been in a whole lot of other things. Uh, she also does the amazing trick here of playing Priscilla from 14 to presumably late 20s here uh, and manages to pull it off without you realizing, wait, has she aged? There okay, was a so moment like, at the... Yeah. Yeah. So it's very kind of... autobiographical. It's, acting. It's, but it's impressive because yeah like when we were when we the movie started Chrissy and I apparently we talked after the film we both had the same question which is wait wait are there multiple actresses playing her in this film no she just is very convincing at 14 as she is at 20 something it's like amazing like I don't know how she pulled it off just kudos to the makeup and costume teams who probably helped achieve that because it's just amazing work that, that she was able to pull that off so early Oscar favorite then? Uh in my in my uh limited uh, scope so far, yes. Uh, but I haven't seen a lot of big Oscar films this year yet. So it's not Barbie. <laughs> well, <laughs> well uh, I don't think Margot Robbie is gonna win that either. Uh, let's move on though, because I didn't watch just that. I also watched a completely totally different film. Uh this one on Hulu, so you don't even have to go to a theater to see it. Uh Quiz Lady. Are you familiar with this? I'm familiar with the ads. <laughs> uh, Sandra O oh and Aquafina, I think. Yes, yeah, Sandra O oh and Aquafina play sisters in Quiz Lady. No, they're is... sisters. Yes, they no. play sisters in this film. There's a bit of an age gap between them, but they are sisters. Um, essentially, the premise here is Aquafina's character is kind of a shy uh, girl growing up, deals with a pretty violent. Di divorce with between her parents sandra oh meanwhile is the older teenage daughter who is kind of like like super social butterfly basically very polar opposite daughters growing up together in a broken home that's pretty much the setup uh but she finds the aquafina character finds solace in a quiz show that she watches every single day think jeopardy um she's like loves everything about it she becomes super, super smart because of it. Like she's very much a book, like a kind of a nerdish book type as you see her get older. And eventually one thing leads to another, a like a like a private something happens with her mother that brings her to a situation where she needs money and she needs it fast, which of course Sandro, as the sister with all the wild ideas, said, You're smart, you should be on the quiz show. And thus they go on a trip to get her to participate in the quiz show herself. That's the premise. Hilarity ensues. But it actually does. I thought the script is really funny. Uh, there's a lot of good jokes here. It's a great premise, and I think it executes it all pretty well. I think some people might think that the plot is a little little broad. Um, some of the stuff that happens um, is a, a little wacky. Little trips to wacky town every once in a while in this film. But generally speaking, the characters are likable. It does have a heart towards the end of it, and it does a good job of reminding you of where the emotional center of the story is. Um, Aquafina and Aunt Sandra O oh both give very funny, great performances in it. Um, we had a blast with Quiz Lady. We thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, of course, we also really like quiz shows. I mean, we went to a Jeopardy ta taping this week, so it's very much in our wheelhouse. Uh, but I was surprised with how well the script was written and how, like, it hit all the beats that you needed to hit. And by the end of it, I was like pretty satisfied with it. Not the best comedy of the year, probably. I still haven't seen a lot of the big 
uh, big comedies from the year. Uh, so I will hold off my judgment until, like, for example, Bottoms finally makes it to streaming. Uh, but in the meantime, I really enjoyed my time with Quiz Lady. I thought it's a good, it's a good, funny movie. Um, I mean, the premise isn't any treading any new ground, though. No, it's, it's, it. I would say it's it has shades of um, a slightly tamer hangover at moments. Uh, I think that there's also uh, some, it borrows some stuff from, um, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not the most original thing in the, in the world. Like as a buddy comedy, essentially, that is also kind of a road trip kind of thing. And it does take little pages from classic comedies of the past. But it still manages to feel sort of fresh. And also, it's cool to see a film like this that is from an uh, Asian perspective and talks about an Asian family. And it's cool to see. Well, see, because that's my hesitation even watching this, is that it feels like ground that's been treaded on by several different movies, just bits and pieces kind of thrown together in a blender saying, here you go, you like these kind of tidbits, oddballs, um, these, like... Di- different like family dynamics, different personalities. We're really going to throw it all in this movie, and out pops Quiz Lady. For me, I felt like the script itself was good enough where I was never thinking about it. I was never distracted by oh, this film did this or this film did this better. Or for me, I was enjoying my time with it enough; it did not feel derivative. Okay, but, but hey, you did very... remind me that I did watch a movie. Okay. Similar situation of a young girl needing money desperately and going to extreme comedic lengths to get it. Okay. Cue Jennifer Lawrence in No Strings Attached. No Strings Attached? Um, Is that the name of this film? Was it called No Strings Attached? <laughs> yes, it was. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. <laughs> Are you talking about the Jennifer Lawrence comedy that came out earlier in the year where she is set up with that nerdy guy? Yes. That's not called All No Strings Attached. That is not called No Strings Attached. Well, that's how (laughs) bad this movie is. (laughs) Oh, no. I forgot that I watched it. And two, (laughs) I didn't even get the name right. No Hard Feelings is the name of the movie. That's what it is. That's what it is. Yes. No Hard Feelings. Attached is a different movie. From right. like 20 years ago. Yes, that's the one with uh, Justin Timberlake and Mila right. Kunis. That was the one that's the one that's not Friends with Benefits. No. Jennifer, <laughs> no, that is the one with called Friends with Benefits. <laughs> what's the No Strings Attached starred? Who was in that uh, one? Uh Natalie Portman. That's Natalie No Portman, Strings Attached. Yeah. <laughs> Friends with Benefits is the <laughs> I can't believe you deep impact Armageddon to yourself. All right. Anyways. <laughs> We're not talking about those movies. We're talking about No Hard Feelings, which is a movie starring Jennifer Lawrence that came out earlier this year. Yes. And if the title, No Hard Feelings, you think, okay, it's going to be a comedy with lots of sexual puns and sexual situations. I mean, yes. 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 That's it. That's what that is. For the first 30 minutes. After that, the jokes get stale. It gets (laughs) very kind of monotonous. And you're like, okay, I'm in for this ride, but also Um, when is it going to end? Because (laughs) you know by the end, they're not going to remain friends. You know by the end, she's not going to sleep with them. And you know by the end that they're going to eventually go their separate ways. So Spoilers. halfway through the point, through this film, I'm like, okay, if I know all of this at this halfway point, because they've kind of established their ground rules, 
what is the point in continuing watching this film? Uh, for it being 90 minutes, I figured that out after 20, and I did not really enjoy the rest of my time with this thing. It's on Netflix. It's why I forgot I watched it, because <laughs> it is that forgettable. Well, okay. I'll cross that off the list. <laughs> is, I'm trying to think if there's anything even redeeming about it, and like I said, maybe the first 30 minutes. Like, okay, like it gets me on board, but then I kind of regret getting on board as like, okay, you're not going to offer me anything else with this. It's exactly what I thought it was, so I should probably go. <laughs> well, it sounds to me like you should have watched Quiz Lady. Yeah, maybe I should have. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, that's unfortunate. Um, I heard I had heard mixed things about that. I had heard some people really hated it, but there was a few voices that I trust that were actually like, no, actually, this is really funny, and people shat on it for no reason. So I don't know. Maybe it's another, your mileage may vary. It is definitely mileage may vary. I think Jennifer Lawrence is the shining moment in this film. I mean, but then again, it's Jennifer Lawrence. She has to be. She's the whole vehicle behind this thing. Um, But then again, the whole premise of a young 30-ish year old girl, Mm -hmm. woman, dating and putting the awkwardly sexual moves on a 19 year old who's going to go to college i mean again it's supposed to be be awkward yes it's it's meant to be um that's the point it's one of those yeah Yeah, but even after they both figure it out they still continue to do the awkward dance yeah so what are you gonna do anyways 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 um that is it i think that'll do it for us here I believe so. That will be it for the Media Vote podcast this week. But of course, we'll be back next time for even more news, reviews, all sorts of things coming from you, coming to you, from you. I don't know. Coming from us to uh, a year near you. Yes. In the meantime, though, if you want to watch us in video form, you can do so on YouTube. Search Media Vote Podcast on there and you can find our channel. Like, subscribe, click the bell for notifications when new videos go up. You can also hear us in your ear holes in audio form on podcast services such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, search Media Boat Podcast. We're on social media, Twitter slash X, we're at Media Boat Cast. Facebook, search Media Boat Podcast there. Twitch.tv slash Media Boat is where we play video games every once in a while including, but not limited to, archives of Mike playing Spider-Man 2. More to come, I'm sure, of mm-hmm. something. Who knows? Um, then you can also email us if you have questions, comments, feedback, anything about the show you want us to know. Email us at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com, and we will answer and respond to those emails live on the show. And mediaboatpodcast.com is our website where you can see an archive of our older episodes as well as occasional written thoughts about things we want to write about and that will do it for this week so we will see you guys next time further deeper into uh november thanksgiving week so get your turkeys ready yep um next week we'll be back with our pre-thanksgiving thoughts and news pre-thanksgiving yep so we're back with more news more thoughts and more of us So see you then.
Okay, bye. Bye-bye.